see is this amazing picture that we have today. It's one where Peter had just preached to a Jerusalem crowd about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And here are his words, or Luke's words, rather. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The crowd who had mocked and listened and felt conviction responded with a embrace of their Lord Jesus Christ. And that picture I bring up because in some ways that's really where we're at here at the end of Hebrews today. Uh, First through three, I know it's been a bit of a a journey, right? Hebrews is not a short book. And yet now we've come to the final sermon in the Hebrews series. This last chapter is a bit of an interesting one where there's there's not really a middle ground. Either you preach the entire thing or a whole bunch of little things. So for this go-through in Hebrews, we're going to do the entire thing. Because in many ways, this is the way that we respond to everything that Hebrews teaches. If we can go back from the beginning, and ultimately what he's been saying is that God has spoken spoken to us by His Son, and we've learned that Jesus is greater than angels, greater than prophets, greater than even the kind of the founding fathers of the Jewish nation. In fact, Christ is not only the greatest leader, we also spend a number of chapters there towards the middle of Hebrews talking about how His priesthood is better, His sacrifice more perfect. Hebrews then takes a a turn. We've gone from from saying, here is what Jesus has done, big picture, to here's how you respond to that. And that's when we started to see that famous chapter on faith, the sort of faith that follows the pattern of the many examples that we find all throughout the scriptures. Saying that our reward should be in heaven for who are like our Savior. We too shall have an inheritance that cannot be shaken in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is where we end up this morning. And I I do that quick review because I want you to see something. Um, if, if you only just say flipped open your Bible and came to Hebrews 13, you might not be aware of all the background. You might come away with a somewhat impatient feeling. There's, there's a good spirit that could do that. Do that. Don't do that. Do that. Don't do that. Make sure you avoid that. Because that's how it reads. But like everything in the scriptures, there's a, a context. There's a it's like a, a movie or a story. If you don't know the book and you haven't seen the movie, if you jump in in the middle, usually you're not sure what's going on. There's a, something that happens where you kind of start to be convinced. But here, we need to realize that it is because, chapters 1 through 12, 
that he's using here of what he has done on the cross, it is because his priesthood is greater and better, and he offers it, of course, to every believer. It's a priesthood of Jesus now, Hebrews 13, this is how it works. This is how this works. This is the eternal priesthood of God. This is not a do these things to get saved. This is not a sermon of do these things to make God happy. This is, if you go back to my app, chapter 2 is going to say, these are the words of Paul to them. The author of Hebrews is going to respond with a number of applications, ranging from the, the, the general big picture to the very specific. As you listen, as you think on this final section of the epistle to the Hebrews, you should be doing a little bit of a, a, a self-check. How are you following Jesus? What's it looking like? Now, you're not going to be perfect in any of these, I'm sure, right? Get that off the table. This is not a a, a class that just gets you into your act. Kind of embedded as you seek to follow Christ in these practices. If each and every part of your life Is there any part of your life that you have found it is often a self-check? Well, I'm aware, you know, this, you should do that. I agree with these things, but I don't know. Please don't compel Jesus to follow me. This is the call to, to open up that door and to let the light of Christ in. So, if you're not there already, uh, turn with me, Hebrews chapter 13, the very last chapter of the book. We're going to dig in. Brotherly love continues. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated as you also. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and filthy. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For you are my possession. The Lord is my and you are mine. Let me And so we're starting with the, 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 the big picture truth. Um, in many ways, none of these are all that new to Paul. I mean, they've come up in other epistles places in the Gospels. Um, so these are the, the 
we see love for one another, specifically here, fellow Christians. Uh, there's a word behind this, the Greek word, so here's your, here's your fun. I've been working on doctoral stuff. You get to run your view into the academics. Uh, but you know this word. Some of you know it quite well because it's part of the church in the first century. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's the word that we see here, this, this phylos kind of love. And so there's a challenge here, and it's how will you love others in the church as you have been loved by Jesus? I want you to notice that's different than usually what we hear. We hear something like uh, control, that's kind of a basic thing. Love others as you have been loved. That's true. This, uh, this past week, I took the privilege to host a gathering of teaching pastors from this sort of west to northwest part of Africa. There ended up being 16 of us, which is more than was expected. That was fun. Uh, one of the things that, that they all wrestled with, just like each of you all, is how will production work in the church? Uh, the commercials, the tests, uh, the interviews, uh, every four years. Sisters, we have that opportunity to try to work here, and it couldn't be more relevant. 
how will you love and be loved? What do you want to be called? What is the first step that you have to take? How will you love when you meet this community? What questions will you set aside so that someone else can hear clearly the first thing we see here is this one another kind of love. And if there's another, though radical, it costs the price. This is a major theme all throughout the scriptures, Old and New Testament, through the implications and assignments of those who are not already part of the church. And I know we could really go into the weeds with this, and today we won't, but I'll simply ask how is this attitude toward those who are not Helping them to feel welcome and accepted. Are you helping folks to understand that part of what we have to take on board is to see more people coming to Jesus and not just to hold out someone who doesn't agree with us? Is there some way that you can that you can show love with someone who may fit in in a major area of your life or your family? Do you build some relationships? a great time right now. I saw an article in the paper online about some guy in Ohio that one of the ways that that he is just building relationships with his neighbors and trying to get them to meet him today. And one thing I've noticed is we've built a relationship with our own neighbors by just doing a little more on the sidewalk and it starts to build some friendliness and we start to have some conversations. something like, oh, you know, I'm really busy these days, or, or the schedule's packed, or I haven't met anyone yet who's told me that. You know, I'm kind of bored in life. I don't have much to do. Nothing's on my calendar. I can work all day long for a Twitter person in the NFC East that I don't know. What will that look like? What can you set aside? What things can you set aside so that you can care for someone back to Abraham, Genesis 18, we get a reminder that sometimes the very people we show hospitality to are used by the Lord for greater purposes in our own lives than we may expect. Perhaps we even see that in their lives as we extend to it. Thank you. 
very wealthy people. Come to find out later, he was on the executive board of one of the big banks. Extremely wealthy man. And yet, Hated Jesus, hated his disciples, hated the church, and hated his ministry. And so you and me can best live in light of that and live in light of that truth. It might be as simple as just asking in a very anonymous culture, that truth, what does it mean? Now, there's so many commands for love and hospitality. I want you to see in these first verses that they extend to those in prison. Here in Hebrews, which is likely those who are in prison on account of their Christian faith. We realize in in the United States that typically not a concern in our Christian culture. What does it mean? Well, maybe not prison, but how does the church function? Could it be that there are folks in your workplace or in school who are being called out for their Christianity based on what's happening in their Maybe a teacher or a fellow student pick on that person for their faith. Maybe it's someone who's got prospects for a promotion. You know, I can help him with affiliation with their Christian faith. Or a coworker or a fellow student can pick on that person for their faith. I would suggest even out of these verses, one faithful application would be ultimately to avoid privilege for me to have someone to come to me and say, I'm really Christian there, and then that marriage is to be upheld among the community. And perhaps another relevant truth for our age, this would be it. Don't devalue marriage just because it's a Because the, the air we breathe and the waters we swim in make marriage either a, a political issue or a, just kind of a tax issue or all these other things. No. Marriage is God's idea. It is as God Established by any government, it's not a political football or political called us Ultimately, it's the commitment of one man to one woman for the rest of their life. And there's a point behind it that's not anything to do with our society and our own cultural ideas and whatever's trending on Facebook.
in some ways of exploration for, for, for those of you who, who aren't familiar with it, if there's still a way that you can show Christianity to Verses, another very relevant application in this case. The Lord loves you. The point isn't that this or that amount is bad. The point is not that you want to get rid of all of the other ways of life. But just like in James's letter, it's the love of money that is the And the love of money is what drives us set aside morality and ethics, it's what tempts us to deny Christ at times. It's what tempts us to make or not have things feel like it's not important. Money is a terrible thing. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, in the kingdom of heaven, no bank account will be empty. None of it will matter. None of those things will be paid for. Riches sense that we have. We need to also realize how much we borrow to mediocre
bottom of the grave right now, his blood dropped into the holy place of the high priest to sacrifice for sins, paying that price of sin. Today, Jesus also stepped outside the grave in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us look for him outside the tomb and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting hope, but we seek this one who is promised. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and pursue their service, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you. We're starting to call out lots of individual things here, um, and it might be that you don't understand all of them. Um, I actually think that there's an organizational principle here, and it's um, do Christ here, and I love Christ here. That's why we begin by talking about the blessing on the good doers. We saw this not only in Jesus, but he was even arrested for not doing good interesting thing because we live in an era uh, that thinks very little of the blessing of good deeds. We live in an era that is skeptical of any and all authority. Uh, we see that not only in political debates and the fields where people, even in our, in our city, you know, who's the city to tell me there is no origin? biblical truth is that good authority authority is not a consequence of the fall. Authority is just where Adam and Eve were. Uh, in fact, authority is supposed to be a blessing. It gives us um, examples and pictures of what it should be. Not a consequence. So brothers and sisters, um, I realize I'm saying this right before we have an annual election. perfect ones, but faithful ones. Right? I think that that's what Jesus is. That we have every reason to follow our leaders and show them to learn more of what it looks like to be a servant. To look to the example to us. To, to grow in the same Because in doing so, we're going to be accomplishing something important. We'll be learning how to follow Jesus rather than the, the, the latest you know, popular book, the latest religious fad, teaching false goodness and truth. Every day, radically based on the Bible rather than some whatever-the-mind you know, pop-up magazine. Beware of folks who are some secret Christian 
said it on the first half, which is that belief systems, one of the number one things we're dealing with all the time in our walk is this brave new world of the internet or that there's more books published than ever. There's always someone out there trying to say something about the shortcuts that make it easy to follow the path. No, you didn't do the one thing that you just stumbled upon. Well, what did you find? Do you ask the blessing that you need? And it's a blessing greater than any physical guru, any person on the radio, any any sign. Sacrificing your money so that that will take care of the problem. It means spending your time so that someone else can write the next. It means using the skills that God has given you, not just to enrich yourself, but to bless others. And so continually, what we're talking about is this whole And this is how we keep the kingdom. Jesus came first to Thank you. 
that we are to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And that we are to encourage those leaders to find a way of benefiting themselves and others. Friends, one of the things that we've done throughout the past year, um, formally on the Overseer Board, kind of informally, As an overseer board, we spent this last year looking at what what could we do to encourage others in the faith. And it started a lot with our own examples of how we speak to others. And and I don't know if you've noticed this, I hope not. But I've actually seen us as a congregation grow more anxious for more for each other and more encouraging over this past year in numerous, very tangible ways. Conversations I hear in the hall, the, the emails that I see, the pieces of reports, the, the notes that I hear of others receiving. It's all done this year. This is what we want to do. Keep up. Keep growing in these Christ like leaders. Enable your leaders to be a blessing to the whole Briefly, I'll wrap up our letter with two final pictures of blessing and burden. Here's the blessing. It starts in verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good so that you do his will, working in us that which is pleasing to nice words that are true for everything in this passage. We've been given a number of snapshots of what the Christian faith, what Christian life looks like, what it looks like. And we've already said this is not the do-way. But how does it all come together? Well, it comes together through faith. Spiritual faithfulness is not flippant. It's not conjuring your chest. Instead, it's should know that our brother Timothy has been released for payment for funeral expenses. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. So we conclude with two final snapshots. The importance of being those true words that we have read of in this book.